welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hort Culture Podcast. Oh, happy Thank fall, you. y'all. I'm sorry, I'm oh, that to be here. I had my first pumpkin Reese's of the season uh, just now, and I think it's already hashtag, kicked in. Hashtag eat seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> what is a pumpkin Reese's? I don't think I've oh seen my this. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm that sorry, y'all. We'll kick question. him off the podcast. What is, are you um, even <laughs> You've never seen like the Easter egg ones life? either? Yeah. So they're, I've seen um, the Easter egg what ones. What is this I mean, happiness right. I've been hearing so much cave. about? <laughs> okay. All right. Listen, listen. Everybody quiet down. This is important. Okay. <laughs> So the themed Reese's, the pumpkin shaped ones, the Easter egg ones, the Christmas tree shaped ones Mm -hmm. are more peanut butter than the normal Reese's are. The ratio. So there's the ratio Mm -hmm. to chocolate to peanut butter. So there's a very thin chocolate layer draped over a large chunk of peanut butter. um, Mm -hmm. And they're the best by far of the ratio like of happiness sponsor us? I don't know. It's sort of the shape, yeah. It's, it's like elongated pumpkin. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you if you showed it to someone with no prior knowledge if they'd be like, ah, oh, that's definitely a pumpkin. Just identifying now, it's like a the Cinderella Christmas trees. The it's Christmas cinder- trees during that season of the year definitely look like Christmas trees, though. And the Easter eggs, yeah. those are my egg. favorite. Yeah, I would agree. Basic. Yeah, they but- they they are can be plussed up by putting them in the freezer. For a little, oh, more, yeah. little more tooth, if you want a little more tooth, or if you just, just want me down from eating them in one bite, you want to yeah, house them one after the other, keep them warm, keep them warm <laughs> yeah. on the edge of Malleable. the liquid, and just line them up like a Listen, shoot. Yeah. The you up- put the little white papers inside of each other into a long shoot and just have somebody push the whole line into I, your- I like this conversation that we're just continuing on along the lines of things and fall that make us happy. Well, pumpkins, I mean, like, this is part culture. of it. seasonal treats. Uh, that needs to be an yeah. episode. Y- you can really up your s'mores game. If you replace your chocolate with Reese's mm. on your s'mores. Yes, I had that for the okay. first time at, at your house, uh, actually. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Look at us. Look at, look at the, me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the uh, which one do you think came first? Like the actual like pumpkins or Reese's pumpkins? Like, do you think that the pumpkins were I think invented? someone planted I think they a Reese's pumpkin one pumpkins day. to make them look like the Reese's pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. So in that regard, the truest form is the Reese's pumpkin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's the OG. Even. So, uh, I retract my previous statement about it maybe not looking exactly like a pumpkin. <laughs> How dare you? The audacity. Anyways, well, uh, we are, well, we could probably do a whole podcast on uh, Reese's. Candy. Uh, candy. Welcome Just to candy the fall treat yeah, podcast. Yeah, we'd have to do two, a two-part episode. One for like, the uh, honestly, chocolate base. Honestly, we're all trash pandas. One, for the, <laughs> one for the more fruit, fruit-based. fruit And we one can eat for candy really corn culturally be beautiful, oh, no. and then we can also eat <laughs> just garbage. Uh, so, but well, we are I, I have one more comment about candy. Okay, all right, okay, okay. So one more. I think like, you know, I don't know if you all have had this in your life. Hopefully, hopefully you haven't. But I had a moment of like my age, the reality of my age and that maybe the the uh, end of of childhood uh, a couple years <laughs> ago. Slowly, the springtime. Oh, wow, so it's been a while. OK, it's, it's been a couple years, like <laughs> like single digits, though. And I ate. Like, you know, back in back in other times in my life, the, the volume of candy that I ate had no virtually no effect. 
<laughs> I ate so many Sour Patch Kids that Ooh. I like had like a, what felt like a chemical burn on my tongue and in my <laughs> mouth. And I legitimately have not enjoyed or even really thought as much about candy since then. Right. And it's not, I, not, not any kind of good, you know, not like I'm like, yeah, okay, finally I kicked the habit. I'm like, there, there he went. There went the body yellow. can't handle it. There you go. Oh. There's, there's like a point in life. It's like a definitive moment where it's like you realize that there is nothing stopping you from going to the store <laughs> and buying a cake and bringing it home and eating the whole cake. Yeah. <laughs> except you, right? Like, except I mean, your body. <laughs> I feel like this needs to be clu- included in your memoir someday is how do you know when's <laughs> enough and you get blisters. I mean, maybe you, that should be it. You get blisters in your mouth. Yeah. I, so candy. many Sour Patch yeah. Kids. Well, because yeah. it's just like, I don't know. That, that in particular has this real weird... A brain cycle where it's like, ooh, hit me with the sour again. Ooh, now it's sweet. Mm-hmm. Now hit me with the sour again. <laughs> now it's sweet. Oh, but it was terrible. And but I, I so now I just make sure that I help other other people who are still able to to really enjoy their their candy. To serve uh, as a guide for the rest of us. <laughs> Cautionary <laughs> tale. Some, I will take all your it. sour patch kids moving forward. Okay. Some guardrails. Feel free to give me those out of your Halloween bag. Cautionary tale. Anyways. <laughs> Once Ray checks them for drugs. Yes. <laughs> and all the other bad things. It's we used so to funny. For. One of those, like my parents and my dad was a police officer. And my mom was a mm-hmm, RN. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that like candy bag. You had no fun. Was, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It was very serious. And like as an adult, I go, who who was giving out drugs to children? Like who, who was giving out right. for drugs free? Like what? Yeah. Yeah. Sour Patch Kids and I, I don't blisters. know that much about yeah, them, but like why why would you do that? I don't yeah. that doesn't seem like a good profit, Mark. Because like you don't know what house you got that from. You can't go back. Like I don't it was know. the effect of the eighties, man. People were afraid of a lot of, a lot of weird stuff. The beauty of pumpkins into this. We went to a dark place of candy. <laughs> Of course yeah. it was me. I'm always going to take it there. Yeah, someplace dark. Side note. Okay, not side. Well, actually, the main focus <laughs> main of this note. podcast side is that today <laughs> we'll also talk about rain barrels and, and irrigation systems, maybe. We are talking about rain barrels, some low-flow irrigation. Uh, those of you who maybe are looking for some alternatives or some sustainability or just fun. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about today. Fun with rain barrels. Mm-hmm. And, lowering uh, your water bill, maybe. Yeah, yeah, lowering your water bill. There's lots of cool stuff. So we're going to throw some numbers at you, but we're also going to throw you know, some cool experiences. And speaking of experiences, I practice this, uh, if you can't tell. In the uh, mirror. Speaking of experiences, Brett, you have recently done some uh, installs of the rain barrel, have you not? Bald boy has become barrel boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as if overnight. <laughs> yeah, I I did recently conceive of and execute a plan to have some barrels to catch some rain off of my roofs at my house. <laughs> nice. Are oh. they? Because uh, you have like a detached system. Do you have it kind of getting off? How many how many slopes are you pulling water from? I guess I should say. Well, so our our back porch is kind of is like mostly flat. And then it connects to the house. And so it's sort of like one big slope of the house and then the the porch. And that goes into one collection point. And then one side of our garage roof goes into another collection point. Uh, The first one is probably two to three times the size as far as like catchment area. Right. 
So just tapping gutters, or is that uh, what we're talking yeah, about so, here? So, you're looking so my at system, gutters, you're great. if you work from the from the point where the rain goes in, you know, back to the other stuff. So the <clears throat> you got the downspout. I actually cut into the downspout with and put it in an adapter that I purchased online. That comes out, and it's got a quarter turn valve. Mm-hmm. which hooks mm-hmm. up to a hose, like a regular standard garden hose, which then feeds into the top of the garden or on top of the rain barrel. Then the rain barrel, that rain ba- or both, both of them. So the, <clears throat> that rain barrel is then tied into another rain barrel with a little short piece of hose. Nice. That acts as an overflow. And so the water goes into the first barrel and fills it up till almost the top. And then it spills over. And mm-hmm. I made, there's some decisions that I made along the way that, uh, I don't regret, but that there's particular reasons why I did them that way. So full something that you did this by yourself, you didn't buy rain barrels. You've you bought containers and created. Yeah, I bought I bought some containers from a local like container repurposing store that are used for all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the ones that I bought had been used to transport particular types of water Hmm. that was inside of a liner in there, like almost like a garbage bag inside of your garbage Mm -hmm. can. And this was Mm -hmm. the can and it has a, a lid with like a ring. Mm -hmm. uh, It's like a ring lid with a clamp thing. So you can, you can remove the lid. All of my filling mechanisms are through the top. Mm-hmm. So I didn't uh, punch any holes in the side to fill. And then I have a different application um, that I use <clears throat> where I'm actually, I have a pumps to pump water out of the rain barrel to pressurize it. Oh, I see. Because, nice. So I, I'm, I primarily use them to water my bonsai. And the reason why I'm collecting water in the first place is because our, <clears throat> our groundwater is very, very basic. Mm-hmm. And that has a not. It's a ter- pumpkin spice totally latte lover. Basic. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Flannel season. <laughs> boots baby. And yeah, boots, boots baby. <laughs> and so the, the plants tend to prefer a little something a little more acidic. Mm-hmm. Also without as much uh, chlorine and chloramine in it and, and all that kind of fun stuff. But in order to water them, I kind of need it to function almost like a hose. And the pumps that mm-hmm. I have are powerful enough they're like a well pump <clears throat> like mm-hmm. what you would use to pump water out of a well and oh, wow. they they pump it out at a pretty good rate and i control right. I, I have them set up controlled on a remote wireless remote that i can carry around mm-hmm. with me and turn them off and on nice so fancy. Do you know like what kind of psi you had to hit like 30 or something for your like it- i mean it's coming out higher pressure than uh okay. our hose the house mm-hmm. oh wow cool okay Awesome. And that's over like a probably a fifty foot run. Mm. Not much, serious. not much height gain. But this is a higher, a little bit higher tech. The, but the rain barrel portion itself is not. It's just, uh, and I also have some extra vessels. One of them is, is a collapsible mm-hmm. uh, bladder. That's. I have one of those. Not not a medical condition. It's a it's a collapsible <laughs> uh, bladder, Alexis. It looks, yeah, looks kind of like a garb like a garbage can sort of, but it's and and what I will do is I will if we're going to have more rain than the barrels are going to be able to take, I will pump that out of there into 
that collapsible bladder Mm -hmm. short term so that they can catch another, another round of rain. So Uh, I've got to ask about these barrels. Uh, Sorry, Alexis. When you went to purchase those, did you specify, did you tell them, Hey, I'm going to be using rain barrels. Of course they're not for drinking water, but it needs to be some kind of food grade kind of contact. Did, were they able to give you assurances that that's what you were getting? I'm just curious on the source of those. Yeah. They, they told, they told me that they are food grade. Awesome. And that they were previously used in an application that certainly exceeds my requirements. Yeah. A lot. And it's an interesting point, you know, because a lot of them you'll find it'll be like old, like sausage barrels that were Mm -hmm. large volume sausage or like um, pickles, pickles, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And, and, so there's a an aspect of, of maybe washing. These were again, it was they were for some reason shipped with a in a lot with a liner inside. So inside of the barrel was completely un untouched oh, and and seemingly fine. Wasn't um, bright, wasn't briny and salty. <laughs> it was not. I didn't even get any free free salt to <laughs> suck <laughs> on. <laughs> but the, those uh, had lids on them, which is probably a pretty important thing for rain barrels, I imagine, for many different reasons, safety and other. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I will say they were probably a little more expensive because the lids were a little nicer. They're not screw tops. They can just be lifted off and on, oh, but cool. also secured. And with me going in into the in through the top, I didn't want to have to like unscrew. Having yeah, so so that's why I got that style, but. Yeah, I have so I have four of them. Each of them, uh, and, and they're a, a pair in two different sites, and so each of them is about fifty-five gallons each barrel. Uh, and then my extra, the extra capacity that I have is around one hundred and fifty gallons. So, what's the math on that? Uh, like probably three hundred and something gallons total that I can hold mm-hmm. at a given time. And that can fill up pretty quick, I imagine, during a rain event, depending on the size of your roof. I bet that, uh, and I hear that comment some from homeowners, is that they're always shocked when what they consider to be a large container just fills up really quickly on a small roof. I have I have some numbers, if anybody's interested. I'm very in interested. Okay. Math. So, um, I like numbers. Because we're, we're talking about about 300 gallons of water is what you're kind of referring to. So an inch of rainfall... Uh, which isn't, you know, a huge rain event, at least for mm-hmm. those of us in Kentucky. Pretty typical for Kentucky. On 500 square feet of roof. Uh, so, so that's roughly a 20 by 25, if it was a perfect square, 20 by 25. Not perfect square, rectangle technically. A perfect then square. An inch of rain on that space is 300 gallons of water. So it's hmm. not... Not a ton of space. One, one a rain event on that, even that small roof could fill up all of your rain barrels, I guess, then, Brett. Yeah, I would right. say. And that's a smaller Alexis. roof than what he's operating with. Yeah, I would say oh, yeah, one, that, one of ours crazy. is probably double that's that. Crazy. The other one's probably about that size. Yeah. So, yeah. And what do you, um, as far as this system, once your excess, even your bladder type container gets filled up, what do you do with the water then? Does it have some kind of way to escape and like get away from the foundation of the house and all that? Well, how do you deal with that, Brett? Just curious. Yeah, so I have, I have overflows mm-hmm. on the, on the tanks. And I also, so one of the advantages and disadvantages, I guess, of the, of the smaller or the smaller system is that it fills up really quickly. That's a disadvantage because you don't get as much water, but the advantage is 
it pretty much is going to fill up and I can go out and turn off you know, the collection okay. pretty quick mm-hmm. yeah. afterward. So it hasn't been a huge issue, but yeah. So I would say o- overall, it's kind of like try to have, for me, it's a ho. It, there's a, another hose coming off of a threaded mm-hmm. bung or whatever you call it, <clears throat> a threaded uh, fitting that I put on and it just kind of feeds out a little bit. Um, Tell us about the gizmo that uh, you put in the gutter. Uh, there's some kind of interface in with your gutter. I'm assuming that the, the way that you get the water, what does that look like uh, for you in your particular system? I know there's different options, but what's yours look like? The one that I have is made out of PVC. Kind of looks like it came from the same place that manufactures stormtrooper helmets. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Solid. And, you know, you got to diversify in this economy. Uh, right. <laughs> right. And it's got, uh, it, it, the, you, you have to, or you don't have, I get, yeah, you have to cut your downspout, <clears throat> which uh, wasn't that big of a deal for me. And then you drop the top of the, the, you, you kind of sleeve it up on, and then it's got inside, it has this, uh, like diverter thing that, mm-hmm. Um, most of it goes to fill up the barrel, but it will let some bypass. And importantly, the top part can be like pulled up above to be able to, mm-hmm. to use it to clean it out. Because, you know, any if you've ever had clogged gutters, well, this happens with these things too, maybe even oh, yeah. more so. Hmm. And so there is a clean right. out clean out component. But overall, I would say it took about, I'm, I'm a relatively capable person and it probably took me about 10 or 15 minutes to install each one. Oh, nice. cool. Nice. I know there's some really cool mm-hmm. options for the, the whole gutter interface. And um, I, I ordered it online from a major retailer that with no official uh, affiliation with one of the largest rivers in the world uh, or rainforests in the world. And it was Nile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a bit of a nihilist myself. <laughs> And it was about, I think it was around 30 or $35 or something like that. They, and they, you, you all were talking earlier. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. be curious to hear. So I'm with some things I have a, I'm, I'm nervous about, I would almost rather have a manual system than something mm-hmm. with automation that may break. And then I'll be disappointed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but automation would also be really sweet. So you all were talking a little bit about some of those things that have an ability to like kind of shut off on their own when the barrel's full or something like that. Was that right? To be clear, mine is a manual thing with a valve that I turn off and on when I do or don't want collection to happen. The one I know about, which I have not used, but a good friend of mine who's an agent who who does, I don't know how many rain barrels he has now, but it's a lot. And this is the system that he uses. Sent it over to me and it's called a, flex fit diverter Mm. and so it's kind of like a a rubber you know it's a harder rubber but it's still a little bit malleable and you drill like a three inch hole in the side of the gutter or the side of the downspout and you put this in there and it kind of fills up that space but so sort of like yours brett where it allows some water to go through but it also sends some to the barrel uh it has that so it kind of looks like a donut shape that goes Mm -hmm. inside of the downspout and then it so that outer ring of the donut sends water into the barrel and then when the barrel is full it kind of like backs up into the small there's a little pipe you know a 
foot long or something that goes between the barrel and the downspout. And so that just fills up with water so that once it's full, no more water can go in there. And then it just mm-hmm. continues down the downspout like it always would. And I so that kit you're talking about, Alexis, it also, the cool thing about that when you're talking about it, it comes with a winterizing plug that yes. you can easily remove with two screws. Is that mm-hmm. the one? You remove mm-hmm. the uh, gizmo from the gutter and then just put your plug mm-hmm. into the gutter, screw that in, then it's winterized and the gutter continues to function as normal yep. before the modification. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a really cool one. That's a popular one And it's cheap. Right it's now. like 20 bucks. Yeah. You can get like the, the flex pop. Is that the one that like a flexible yeah, yeah. accordion and pop? Yeah. You can get like the whole kit, which is even like if you don't already have like a hole saw, it'll send you that. That's, you know, the perfect fit. If yeah. you have a three awesome. inch one, that's fine. But, you know, you can kind of buy it all in, in one yeah. go. Which was, which was really cool because it takes, you know, you don't have to go outside and flip that valve. You know, what if you're not home? And I know that like you have, it's not like the end of the world, Brett, if you can't do that, it sounds like, but uh, just one less thing to think about when it's, especially if like where I would be putting my rain barrels, I'd want them like on my high tunnel or on my barn. And so I don't want to trudge all the way out there to do that in a rainstorm. Right. But yeah, I, I was looking at some of these kind of larger systems, like the, there's a publication we can link uh, from Iowa State about kind of catchment of rainwater mm-hmm. and really large kind of cistern scale oh, nice. yeah. type of deals. And they use the same technology, uh, that kind of diverter valve that automatically shuts off after a certain flow, but they have it set up or they recommend setting one up to divert the first flush of water that comes across to kind of any debris and stuff like that that's on the roof, Mm -hmm. that when there is a rainfall event, that it just essentially goes into a very small chamber. And then once that chamber fills up, it kicks over into the actual catchment device to kind of, you know, reduce issues with algae buildup and pathogens and things like like that's important for the larger tanks because I mean, small tanks, you can obviously tip those over, rinse them out, which I really encourage people to do every now and again, but large tanks, you really don't have that option, or at least it's not very convenient on the big tanks. So that seems to, that, that really makes sense for big systems that you really don't want to sludge up the bottom of to be in the bottom of the container to be clear. I am married to a person who (laughs) describes herself as reasonable. I would describe her as lacking vision and ambition when it comes to rainwater collection. The real question is, does she listen to this podcast later? She does not. How much trouble are you going to be in? Okay. Fantastic. You're you're fine. Carry on. Feel free to just go off. Okay, carry on. I'm going to text her and be like, you're going to need to hear this episode. We're about 20 minutes in. Well, so, and I, so I looked at considerably larger systems because sure. like you said, it fills up really quickly and you know, it's better and than 300 go gallons, 3,000 <laughs> gallons. You know, it's better than 30,000 wow. gallons, 30,000 gallons. 30,000. Mm-hmm. Is that Brett's roof, house or is it a water pressure. tank? <laughs> Yeah, we've never we're crossed ten percent capacity, but we could if we needed to. <laughs> In theory. Now we're Is talking it, about these tanks. Are uh, these tanks aren't clear, are they? Because I have been associated with tanks in the past that that allowed light to pass into the tank, and you had a big problem with that. And you guys can probably guess what that is from experience or you just know algae growth. Anything right. that lets light in. Yes. Uh, yeah. So your tanks, Brett, are they light blocking? They don't let Mine, the, the ones tank. that I have now are opaque. The ones I was look, some of them that I'm looking at, and this is another exa- example or uh, uh, the type of tank that's really common. And I've seen a lot across the state of Kentucky 
are these uh, IBC totes, so mm-hmm. to speak. They're the ones that are oh yeah, <laughs> big squares inside. Yeah, inside of like a cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, and, yeah. In some cases, they're used to ship uh, industrial chemicals. In some cases, they're used to even ship like the syrup for like yes. Coke and Pepsi and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But those, I, I have seen those get painted because they are yes. kind of translucent. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, fully transparent, but they are translucent and they're not, you know, they weren't designed to sit out in the sun and, right. and that, that is a component of some, some of the things, the, the lifespan of some of the materials in the sun is a, is a consideration. And so uh, some things, you know, there, there are, it does benefit from a coat of paint, even if it's a little bit down the, down the line. Yeah. The PVC does definitely have like degradation issues with UV um, you know, it reminds me of I was on this kind of national research project where we we're looking at, at this concept, but in very large scale with like, uh, you know, s- sort of designed sub basin sub basins to catch irrigation water and recycle it. And so stuff what like kind that. of volume would these uh, sub basins be like millions of gallons? easy yes that's what, yeah, that's Brett, what we should Brett's have gotten just lit up <laughs> right right just you want to purchase the entire I, subdivision I, and turn it into one pond. Yeah. Sorry, i felt annie sorry. roll her eyes from just miles away like yeah. i felt that <laughs> is it a bunker or is it a cistern we don't know either way it's practical Yes, either way. Well, and there's this trade-off because, you know, UV treatment of water is a way to deal with pathogens. Mm-hmm. So UV kills pathogens, but it also grows algae. And so, you know, we we might think, oh, by having a, a clear retaining or a clear, uh, clear barrel or a clear kind of holding thing that we would take advantage of that UV sanitation of the water, but... The problem is it, the algae is what outpaces it. Yes. You know, like you're That's killing point, some Josh. stuff, but other things are right yeah. on the ball with you. Yeah. So it's kind of a give and take there. Can yeah, I point out, point. can I point out a couple of things that I think we've like kind of briefly passed by, but I want to make sure we're hitting on that. So the first one is you should not be using your rain barrel water for hand washing washing your produce, anything that's going to come in direct contact with edibles. Like we cannot recommend that you do that because it's not sanitized water, right? Like birds poop on your roof. Okay. The water is going to pass by (laughs) that. And even if you've got a nice filter and stuff, keeping that out, there's bacteria and things that are in that water. So, so don't use that to clean anything (laughs) necessarily, nothing edible. And, also, and to, I hear- to that point, so Ray's mm-hmm. comment earlier about the food, the food grade kind of mm-hmm. uh, consideration is not so mm-hmm. much about whether you're, like, we don't, do not drink the water out of the rain barrel. Regardless. Right. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it's more, to me, it was more about like considerations of leachates where things can yeah. leach into the water. Heavy metals and things. Right. Chemicals. And then I don't want to be yeah. putting that into my soil or into my little bonsai or, or anywhere just because then it can then be transported you know, transported up into, if you're growing food crops, especially leafy greens and stuff like that, there's all kinds of strange uh, considerations on pollutants and, and um, soil borne nasties. And so that, that was, that's the reason for the food grade, not because you're going to be drinking out of the water. Right. Do not drink it. And sometimes there's some confusion there because we talk about all of your rain barrels need to be food grade. 
Yeah, that doesn't mean exactly. That doesn't mean we're actually drinking it. We're not drinking it. Yeah. Correct. Right. And uh, uh, another thing is we're speaking from Kentucky where we are allowed to collect our rainwater. Mm. So if you are not in Kentucky, please make sure you check your regulations. There are some areas, states, and probably within states where you're not allowed to collect your rainwater. So if you're in Kentucky, as far as I know, you're good. You can always double check. But you should be able to do that as far as we know. Uh, Another thing, I hear a lot when people bring up rain barrels, they worry about mosquitoes. Mm. Uh, So that's why it's very important, Ray said Mm -hmm. earlier, having having a lid. And and Brett talked about the lid that he has. So it's not only just algae, but if you've got a lid, you shouldn't have any issues with mosquitoes. If for some reason, you know, the lid doesn't get clamped down or, you know, you have it off and forget to put it back on or whatever that is. And you do have some mosquitoes that you think have formed in there. You can of course empty that bucket or bucket container, or they make these little BT pellets. So BT is a soil born bacteria and it affects mosquitoes and only mosquitoes. And since again, we're not drinking this water, it's, you can use BT down in there to take care of those mosquito um, dunks. Mosquito dunks, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can find them anywhere. Yeah, some some and, some municipalities, I think, uh, give them out sometimes. Mm-hmm, right. So if you've got mosquitoes anywhere, you can you can use those. But just a little mm-hmm. thing, dunk you shouldn't on those have skaters. to dunk, dunk on, on those skaters. Yeah. You shouldn't have to them. worry about that. Right, because you want to oh. catch water, but you don't want to create a mosquito habitat right. in your backyard. Right. Exactly. You don't want to do that. It's not good. Yeah. It's and not, then it's lame. Lastly, <laughs> as like the one of the plant nerds on here, so Brett talked about how you know using it for his bonsai and it's helpful. You know no chlorine. If you're having any issues with say any of your house plants or maybe some of your vegetables, uh, certain times of year, we can see our aquifers change. So I have a great example of this. Uh, when I was doing my master's research, I was doing um, some hydroponic cucumbers. And uh, so of course we're pulling city water and I've got all the fertilizer in these buckets and it's uh, mixing in with that water and everything's being irrigated. Well, this was in a greenhouse, so it was winter uh, and we were getting a lot of rainfall uh, over the winter. So the water wasn't sitting in the aquifers very long and sitting in our limestone, which means it wasn't becoming as basic as it normally was. Well, all of my levels were set to when our water was a lot more basic, full of that lime. Uh, So when the pH dropped, I ended up almost killing my research project because my pH was like 2.4 or something like that. So, you know, if you're getting just that rainfall, you know, you can test that. So if you have some plants that are maybe more sensitive, uh, you have good rainfall. There are plants. So I grow uh, some carnivorous plants and they only will do rainfall. I cannot use city water on them. And there's a lot of house plants that are the same way. So uh, that's a, it's a good option if you're kind of one to try something out that's yeah different. and I, I you know i'll just say if anybody out there is looking to up ha- how cool they are <laughs> you can buy really reasonably priced good ph meters mm-hmm. online for yourself and then just mm-hmm. measure ph whatever you want wherever you want <laughs> no test strips no color you nope. know color issues here it just you just go straight in and so just as a rel- relative amount like our the ph coming out of our hose at our house can be like <clears throat> 8.2 to like almost yes. 9 <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes awesome. that is very basic or not very it's not bleach but it's you know it's 
basic, right? And yeah. seven, mm-hmm. seven is neutral. The rainwater is consistently like 6.3, 6.5, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, which a lot it's of plants really perfect. enjoy 6.5. Yeah. And I, I, I started out this journey by, before I started doing the rainwater, I would actually like fill up some barrel, a different, the different container. I would fill it up. I would dechlorinate it, let it sit mm-hmm. overnight. And then I would come out and add vinegar to it to bring the pH down because my mm-hmm. bonsai liked it so much more. Mm-hmm. That is insane, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I, these are yeah. little trees. Yeah. Like, I'm, this is like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, why don't we just collect mm-hmm. some rainwater instead of this large scale mm-hmm. chemistry experiment it, that you're doing? Constant tr- it's, a, it's a constant problem uh, how basic uh, some of the water sources around the state are in commercial production. I mean, to the to the point you have to modify that, as Alexis was saying. Mm-hmm. It's just not a good growing environment when you're trying to max yields or just have healthy plants yes. uh, on a large scale. Something we haven't talked about another on the list. Did you have anything else that we haven't hadn't that we brushed over? No, Alexis? I was just saying, like, you know, moving into some options um as well for people and then like talking about you know, maybe they have a hose like you do where they're, but some other options that they can Distribution use. Yeah. I was, that's is what, what I'm really say. interested exactly. in. What do you I do mean, with all this caught water? Mm-hmm. Do you, because you have a big volume of water, but kind of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then what? Then what? I want to hear about how you are moving this around. Yeah. Yeah, I want yeah, to know. Do you just feed it to the it. mosquitoes? We brushed yeah. over it with mine because I have a pump, right? That's how I get it yeah. from point A to point B. But most is, that, people, is that electric pump? Just it a is solar an, it electric? Is an, it's electric. electric. It runs off. Okay. It's plugged in. So both locations mm-hmm. have access to just regular. In the barrel pump. or is that like an inline pump? It's an inline pump. Good deal. Like a transfer pump then. Exactly. I think that's what they're commonly called as a transfer, it's a transfer pump. It's a specialized, heavier duty transfer pump that's often used for wells and other kind of applications like that. And it's, it's a pretty beefy one in my experience yeah. with things like pumps. Some of the overbuiltness can can serve as a proxy for robustness and you know longer service life and that sort of thing. Sure. And so it's probably a little bit overkill for what I need. But in 10 years, I'll be like, yeah, it's still running. <laughs> you can always use it to pressure wash your cars. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see those more and more, especially on like the homestead scenarios or commercial scenarios where you have a larger volume of water. And I've seen two different styles. One is in tank, which is not as common. And then the other is like a transfer top pump that's on the outside of the tank in line uh, somewhere as the pump is located. Uh, but I, I see that more and more. And I've even seen, and I know we have a publication that some of you guys may talk about eventually here today. Uh, you know, it's impossible to <clears throat> kind of uh, adapt that with uh, solar panels. Yeah. Uh, those 10, 15, 20 watt pumps. The technology has gotten, gotten fantastic. And a lot of, sm- especially small irrigation systems, you know, they, they function off, you know, 15, 18 pounds of pressure. They don't take a lot of pressure, depending on how many zones you have. You have to be careful with that. But the technology is so good with these small base pumps, uh, solar options, electric options. Um, it's pretty exciting time to be able to move that water, which water in one place is great, but then you've got to get it somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think the options now are great. And you'll see that if you go on any of your river-based uh, large uh, re- online retail outlets or wherever you you know, <laughs> go to do a basic search of uh, pumps for rain barrels, you're going to come up with a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, just to be, just to clarify in case anybody out there is, is thinking about doing something like this, and I would have loved to hear something like this because I didn't find exactly what I was looking for as far as ideas for setup. So this 
the pump sits in my case, it sits like on the, on the, like a cart thing that has a cover because you want to keep it out of the rain because it's an electric mm-hmm. pump. Is that an elevated cart to kind of get a little bit of passive pressure, Brett? Uh, a little bit, but not, not, not terribly. Okay. I mean, it more yeah. or less sits on the ground, just a little off the ground. But, gotcha. gotcha. And then it's got basically two ports. One of the ports is an inlet port that is like the sucking port that takes the water out of the rain barrel. And there's a hose that runs up and is in the rain barrel. You know, it's the mm-hmm. straw in the Capri sun. <laughs> and then the other end is the outlet and the outlet runs to the hose that has the wand at the end. And that, mm-hmm. that that's all there is to it. And then that has a, a plug that comes off the back that just plugs into a regular outlet. And I bought a remote outlet switch so it plugs into the the outlet switch which then plugs into the wall so that's how i made it switchable mm. from a, mm. a remote the power on and off yes right, exactly right. Not, the nice. pump is always on but the power to it is cut on and off by mm-hmm. that that switch which was is really handy actually i wish i had that on like a regular my regular hose because it's like there's mm. times where it's like i just want it to yeah, right. The yeah, they do make those. Right? They do make those. Oh. Sorry, Annie, but they make those. You, well, that's you're gonna good get to know, right? I'll, uh... It is. Yeah, <laughs> they have timers and remote control. So if you're not a crazy person like me, and you don't necessarily need, uh, you know, sixty psi coming out of your <laughs> rain barrel, uh, I, I've seen it more common. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I've seen it more common to just have like a little spigot down. Mm-hmm you know, below the water line, like a, with a little yes. valve. What, how that's do we typically set those up? where I see like up on platforms, I'll see that elevated anywhere from one foot to, to three foot, but it takes a little bit of site prep because remember like a 50 gallon water collection unit is weighs around 400 pounds. So, you know, to have that nice and level is pretty important. You don't want that mm. weight, you know, getting out of control or being tippy. Uh, that's a safety issue, but the other practical reason for having those elevated is simply so pressure. you can get containers under a pressure is one, but to, to get containers under there uh, to fill up. If you're mm-hmm. just collecting the water at the barrel, at the at the unit, um, you just have some kind of spigot. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason to get them up off the ground just a little bit. And Alexis mentioned another really important concept here and one that's near and dear to me because I changed the location of my garden this year to take advantage of this concept when I install my rain barrel next year is that uh, you do gain pressure for every foot. It's like what? I'm trying to remember. 2.3 feet of elevation is 1 PSI. 1 PSI. My garden is 35 foot below grade of where my house is. I'm lucky. I have a good slope. So I'm going to get around 15 pounds of free pressure, no pump at all. And Mm. 15 pounds is enough to run some drip tubes. It's it's actually enough to run, you know, a lot of different drip tubes if I don't do too many zones at one time and keep the pressure between 15 and 18. Yeah. Uh, so that is that I, I I have a perfect setup for passive with no pump at all just to use uh that passive pressure that I gain from elevation differential between where my garden sits and where my container is going to sit on the right back side of my home. So I've changed locations of the garden to take advantage of that because I didn't necessarily um, have good pump options mm-hmm. where my garden's at because it's kind of down over the hill. And I've kind of cleared off a new spot, but I had that in mind, that that kind of rain yeah. barrel math. And I think that I'm going to not have to use a pump at all to, to get the water down there. So that's sort of my transfer scenario. Incredible. But yeah, that, that, I, that, I, that is awesome. That, Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, I'm looking what out. What area are you working with with like your garden or your zone, so to speak? Oh, it's it's about 
like thousand square feet. Thirty-five to forty feet, uh, kind of long and about twenty feet wide. Yeah. So do the math on that. Yeah, no, you're going to zone it out for, your, I was for told a drip, aren't you? There would be no math. <laughs> yeah. So it's a pretty good little area. Uh, so I'm going to have, and I've not done those zone calculations yet for drip tape, uh, mm. for your average drip tape. Uh, so speaking but, of drip tape. Yeah. Uh, speaking gonna, of that. I'm going to take the segue. I'm not going to let you give it to me. I'm going to take it. No. <laughs> one thing, we'll link it in the show notes, but one of the publications that I really, really love it is relatively new. It's called Off the Grid Ultra Low Pressure Drip Irrigation and Rainwater Catchment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dr. Rowell and uh, Dr. Jacobson wrote this and like I said, we'll put a link in the show notes for you uh, here at UK. And it, And what I like most about this is irrigation can be really confusing when you're trying to figure out as someone who like still to this day gets a little confused by it and has built many an irrigation system understanding psi they're like oh well what's the head that you have on this and i'm just like i don't know what that means (laughs) the one on my shoulders i don't know a lot of these terms this publication makes things easier there's some good graphics in it and it puts the math out in a simple way so that by the time you kind of get to the end, you know a little bit more about what you're talking about. But what it does uh, talk about a lot is that low flow irrigation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who have gotten equip grants for high tunnels are being required to put on a gutter system with a tank uh, to be able to water their tunnel through, through that NRCS grant. Or if you're just someone who wants to water your garden or your raised beds and you like the idea of having drip irrigation on them, you don't necessarily have to have your 35 foot, you know, drop like Ray is lucky enough to have. You can actually elevate your tank two to five feet. So that's something like three cinder blocks stocked stacked on top of each other and you're putting your mm-hmm. tank up on top of them and you can actually do up to a quarter acre with this low flow drip irrigation and where you're only working with you know two psi uh, right. or something along those lines and so even though drip tape really is meant for eight or more psi you can use it with two and so we've they've done the research on that, have some information, uh, mm-hmm. and that's available in this pub. And I just think that's awesome to be able to, you know, just turn the valve and water the tunnel or water right. the garden with, you know, a tank that's on a couple cinder blocks. Yeah, because your growing area might not be in proximity, right? right. To like yeah. where your municipal water hookup is, or mm-hmm. you might not really have the infrastructure out there. So you can set up something, quote unquote, off the grid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brent... Brent Rowell, you know, one of the, the authors of the publication, Alexis just yeah. mentioned, uh, did some crazy stuff in um, <clears throat> Myanmar, sometimes referred to as Burma. And they mm-hmm. did this stuff like he, he and others. I mean, uh, they worked with like local manufacturers to to support the development of materials needed to build these like bamboo towers. Mm-hmm. And then at the top of the tower, there was like, a liner that was mm-hmm. put into the into that and there was like this reservoir and then they were able to you know use a hand pump to pump water up and like or maybe it was an animal driven or something like that but anyway so they they used like treadles so it was like a mm-hmm. little foot thing that you yeah it, pumped it like out of crazy. a well yeah. yeah and it puts it up into the reservoir and that is then this on-demand source of uh of water 
prior to this, the system was to fill up buckets that were on like a yoke with, you know, hanging down from a yoke and walk along and irrigate. It's like hundreds of thousands of men of person hours saved. Very, very cool. Uh, And Mm. that's like, where I think I'll, he not like he learned that concept, but that was where he implemented it and kind of learned about it. And then he came back to the UK. And then that was when they wrote, wrote that mm-hmm. publication, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. And so like it, just the, that elevation difference thing, just to make sure in case anybody out there is, hasn't heard that before talking about like 2.3 feet and one PSI. So in theory, if you could put a thing of water, 20.3 feet in the air, you could have 10 PSI from that at the at the the spigot and then what ray's talking about then is that his his field his area that he's irrigating is even further down below that and so you get that additional additional gain and so it it, you know bringing that rain barrel up off the ground is kind of all all we're talking about there was a new concept to me when i first came across it and i was like so you're talking about literally raising this thing up off the ground right like that's what we're talking about yeah yeah And you know, for, and it doesn't matter if it's ten thousand gallons or ten gallons. That right. ratio doesn't change. Mm-hmm. That right. uh, that math doesn't change. That two point three math over one foot does not change. And if you are, you know, we have a publication that has the that you're talking about. You know, has an illustration on the front of it that shows mm-hmm. a dip before you go back up and then down a bigger hill. And so the the reverse is true also. If you have a dip, you calculate that going the other way and subtract mm-hmm. that off of your drop. Uh, for, so pretty simple math. Yeah. For reference, if you're like 10 PSI means nothing to me, which honestly been there and still kind of there a little bit, your your city water that's coming out of like your tap, so your hose on, on your house is usually around 30 PSI. So, you know, you can get, that's a, quite a lot of pressure that you can get I checked mine at my my home. We were having some issues, and it was running sixty. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to need a new. I'm going to need a new meter, Georgetown, because things are blowing up in my house." Yeah, I I got to say, like the typical is forty to eighty. Well, not according to Brent Weil and Krista Jacobs. It's it's thirty. So (laughs) it really makes me (laughs) nervous when it gets high. So let me just say, it's a minimum of thirty. Maybe is a better way to say it, and that you can work with something a lot lower. So ten is pretty. Ten's pretty good. Yeah. So on that publication, you guys, what was the number you guys threw out that they were making an irrigation system work with what two or three pounds? Is that what you guys said? Two or three. I mean, it was. It has That's some awesome. restrictions on it, you know, sure. you yeah, only irrigate course. like a quarter acre. And it's mm-hmm. slow. Yeah. Because it's so like you have you to increase only, your interval, you, your timing interval. Yeah. Or break it up into those. Well, and Smaller break zones. it up into those zones. Yeah. And then it really has to be kind of designed to take, you know, there can't be a little bit of a rise or anything like that. It has to all kind of. So uh, you're really downhill. low pressures with like a, what Alexis said, you know, your house is like, you know, that much pressure, but it's amazing that you can work off of two to four. I mean, much, much lower pressure. One yeah, to right. two cool. is what um, yeah, they're saying. It's really cool. Here. So it's basically, it's really cool. has to, there has to be enough water to fill up the entire amount of drip line, right? Before it like to runs be able out to kind of like, like begin dripping everywhere mm-hmm. consistently. Yeah. So that's you all right, you said that this is something where if you are going to use low pressure, um, you're not going to use a pump. So you're on your rain barrel or whatever that is, uh, you're gonna need to leave that on for a lot longer. But it's drip irrigation. So you shouldn't you shouldn't need to manage that. So that's the beauty of it is that you can just turn it on and walk away. 
and you're going to want to, you know, put down that inch of water, you know, ideally most plants want about an inch of water a week. And so one way, if you're like, okay, Alexis, I don't really know what that means. That's okay. Take you a little dish, a bowl or something that's going to hold water, put it underneath like where a plant would be, put uh, it underneath your drip tape and leave your drip on and see how long it takes for you to get about an inch of water in that bowl. Like that's the most simple way. There are much fancier ways, much more math ways to do it. But the easiest way is to do that. uh, And then you don't have to do any math and that's always great. (laughs) As a point of reference, and it's got just a tiny bit of math. We do have a publication that's got some kind of irrigation math in there, but for instance, a 200 square foot garden to get that inch per week needs about 40 gallons a week. Mm -hmm. If that gives you kind of a starting point just to to refer to. So a 55 gallon drum you may like leave on until it's completely empty. And that was my takeaway from that math, Mm -hmm. Alexis. If I had 200 square feet and then you could plant accordingly like Brett, who doesn't have a single container, but a series of containers, you could, you know, then increase your, you know, capacity to water. And I think it should, I mean, most of us kind of know this a little bit intuitively, but water weighs a lot. Each gallon is over eight pounds. So if you're working with a 300, 300 gallon tote, if that thing's full, it weighs considerably more than a ton. So yeah, you, I, when you're when you're building something to put it on, think mm-hmm. about that. I put a lot on on Annie earlier about the decision not to, but that was one of the main reasons why I didn't go with something bigger is that I didn't want to mess with engineering any sort of footers or anything mm-hmm. like that. I just right, wanted right. to put it on some some solid yeah. ground. Put it on the roof, you'll be golden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I That'll love the barrels it. now because like you can connect them so relatively easy, yeah. and so it makes sense <clears throat> to have, a, you know. If you need five of them, you just kind of distribute that across and and they feed into each other. So I like that idea. You know, maybe it's if you don't have the space, it makes sense to have one bigger container. But I for the house, I'd like to have a cup or for the barn. I'd like to have a couple that feed into each other. But for the I want to put one on the tunnel and greenhouse to water Mm. those plants in there. Uh, And I'm thinking of doing like a single that the gutters will feed into a single one because they sit right next to each other. They could, you know, it could be used for both. And yeah, and that's so that's one decision. You know, maybe we started on very concrete. Maybe we can end on a very concrete consideration. That linking of the barrels and the modular expandability was a big plus for me that I can kind of get four. If I hate this, I've only gotten four. I haven't committed to, you know, thousands of gallons of capacity and et cetera. And one of the things that I was, one of the things that I agonized over, not really agonized, but thought about a lot was uh, where to place the link between the barrels Mm. on the height Mm. of the barrels. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if you put it at the top, then the first barrel has to fill up all the way before the second barrel (laughs) will fill up. If you place it at the bottom, both barrels will fill up equally, essentially, once once it gets past the point of where you hook them up. But I could not get past the idea or the my aversion to putting a penetration into the bottom part of the barrel. Like I just Mm -hmm. am too afraid. I don't trust like that. And Who hurt you, Brett? Who yeah, hurt you? I, I, the, you could t- you can talk to any. I have the weirdest water and water damage and other related anxieties of anyone that I know. I have no <laughs> idea why. <laughs> but out there, feel do, free to. Do you make still have all the all the stickers have from your this. youth? 
I had a nightmare last night that a pipe burst in the house and it flooded. Like I woke up and I was like, Oh my, it didn't actually happen. Everything is utopian. Now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hashtag things we say over 30. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but, but that was a decision. And so like I, earlier I said, I linked them at the top. I think the more normal practice would be to link them at the bottom because the advantage is, so when I'm pumping out of one of those barrels, if, if one of them is full and the other one, or sorry, if they're both full and I'm pumping out of one of them, it will drain yeah. the first barrel first. And then I'm going to have yeah. to move my Capri Sun sipper tube over to the mm-hmm. other one manually. Whereas yeah. if I was pumping out of one and the thing was down low, it would lower the levels of both barrels at the same time. So I'd have to change it less frequently. So for my yeah. case, I exclusively made the decision. The same reason I chose to do the manual shutoff is just because I can see this breaking or leaking later on and I don't want to deal with it. I'll, I'll deal with the an other annoyance, but so that's just a fewer moving parts, less complexity. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I will never forget the day my parents said to me, the more things you have, the more you have to take care of. And as an adult, I'm like, this is the worst. <laughs> like, like <laughs> we need new flashing on our chimneys and i was like god i don't even want these like it was a whole thing <laughs> and you have two fur babies so what were you thinking right yeah they give you joy though that yeah. and tens of thousands of plants <laughs> you are their slave yeah tens of thousands is an understatement um <laughs> Elevens of thousands. It's more of elevens of thousands. Thousands of thousands. (laughs) Thousands of thousands. I don't know. But that, yeah, I don't know. It comes back to me with that. Well, I think if if the people want want us to talk more about rain barrels, Mm -hmm. they need to let us know what kinds of topics they want us to cover with this. I mean, the the base, I think we covered the basics pretty good. I hope so. But the the there's there are calculators out there for figuring out how much you're trying to catch and and how much that might be. Um, you can see you could see monthly and and annual average rainfalls to then put in perspective. You know how frequently you might fill up just to get some some sense of that. But overall, it was it was less intense than I was expecting it to be to get it set up. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I tend sometimes to over. To think that it's going to be way bigger deal than it actually is, uh, and so if you're thinking about opposite. it, huh, what's that? I'm like, th- I'm the opposite. You I'm like, this right is going to be fine. Like I can totally do this in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. and 10 million. Plans, I have this blind, like I can just, I can do anything. Like it's fine. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> it's not With good. Our it's powers not- combined. <laughs> She'll be. We need rings that we like touch together. Yeah. <laughs> Straw for mediocrity, high and low. <laughs> Sorry, Brett. Yeah, but if you if you all do rain barrels and you've got a cool setup, uh, be sure to post a picture on Instagram and tag us. Yeah, let us know. Um, let us know what other kind of episodes. I think so you, many cool systems. Yeah, I won't do the I won't do the actual outro. I'll leave that to Alexis. Yeah, we well we and we got this idea from one of our listeners emailed us and said, "Hey, uh, I'm interested in this," and we were like. If you're interested in it, somebody else is too. You could say that we rolled out the barrel for you. <laughs> we are also interested in we it. We got a so. barrel of fun. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, uh, let us know for sure. So if you want to let us know, you can uh, find us on Instagram at Hort Culture Pod, and you can send us a message on there with any ideas that you have. Uh, you can also email us at Hort Culture Podcast 
at l.uky.edu. Uh, you can leave us a review, and in the review, you can say, hey, really love all the cool things that you're doing. Ray is mocking me right now. I've got like his head thing going I'm on. I'm in so much trouble. I forgot so- to get to me. <laughs> you can leave us a review and say, hey, love this episode. Would love to know more about this. And we love when you leave us reviews because it helps the algorithm and helps more people find us and want to listen to us. And, you know, uh, that makes the people that that makes us happy and makes our bosses happy that people actually listen to us. So all that good stuff. But anyways, thank you for being here with us today. We hope that as we grow this podcast, you will grow with us uh, and join us next time for more cool plant stuff. Thanks, guys. Have a great one.